Welcome to the Hope Revolution messages. You'll be able to find our sermon podcast at hoperevolution.church forward slash sermon, as well as all other podcast players. We hope you enjoy this message. Have you ever tried to sell a car that nobody wanted to buy? Yeah, I can get. <laughs> yeah. Me, me too, me too. Now, if you're really, really old, like me, you may remember the launch of the Ford Territory, 22nd of June, 2005, right? It was a big deal. And I saw those ads come on TV, right? And at that time, I was kids pastor in a church, so being a pastor in a church back then, you could buy a car, a new car, sales tax exempt, was awesome, right? If you're not, <laughs> right. Now, also at that time, I was involved in a group that used to tour around primary schools and all that sort of stuff called GLOW. And we had this massive tour organised for Eastern Australia. And up until that time, we were travelling around in a car, had a name called Cecil, and it was a little valiant wagon, right? And you could cram all the stuff in there and you could manage to get there and mostly you would get home. But it probably wasn't going to get us to Brisbane. Why not buy a new Ford Territory? Sales tax exempt. Great idea, right? Yes, great idea. That's what we did. We bought one, big trailer, loaded up all the stuff, headed on off this massive tour. Because, see, you could sell your brand new car once it had done 15,000 kilometres, right? And it was all okay. We managed to do those 15,000 kilometres really, really quickly, which was just as well because we needed to sell it because we needed to buy the kids' Christmas presents, right? So we got the car in about the August or something like that, and maybe September, and they'd only come out in June, and we were ready to sell it again before Christmas so we can buy Christmas presents, right? The only trouble was car sales wasn't like a big deal then, right? And so there was no second-hand Ford Territories for sale anywhere except for ours. And so you go back to the car dealer and, of course, they want to give you a pittance for it, right? It's not, it's not going that well. And you don't really know where to sell this car because... No one had a second-hand Ford Territory. Well, part of the... Well, I think it was about the last show for the year. We are at Chelsea Christmas Carols with Glow. And I'd just about... Well, not giving up. You can't give up selling a new car when you need to buy Christmas presents. So, but we thought, well, we'll stick the car down on the highway with the sign for sale, phone number, Sandy's phone number, because I'm at Chelsea Carols, right? Hoping, hoping that the car is going to sell. But I've got to say, my idea of hope wasn't really that flash. Because hope, I could have actually, you could have crossed that out and inserted not expecting it to happen, right? However, lo and behold, once we'd done our stuff, I called Sandy, or Sandy might have called me, actually, and said, guess what? I've sold the car. 
I'm like, woo, that is absolutely awesome. Christmas is going to come to the last cow sold after all. This is really fantastic. So there were some people who were driving down from Mansfield on their way to the Ford dealership in Ringwood, they should have bought it off us after all, who saw the Ford, the only three-month-old Ford Territory, 15, 16, probably I think it had 17,000 K on the clock by that stage, for sale. And so they called the number and Sandy had done the deal and by the time we got home, it was all sorted and that was really, really amazing. But as I said, my idea of hope, it really wasn't that good. But you know what? I want to be this person who's faith-filled, full of hope, all that sort of stuff. But I'm also this human person that at times has been around the block a few times and it doesn't always work out exactly the way that I hoped it would. But you know what? I'm not alone. In the Bible, it mentions, believe it or not, hope is mentioned 180 times, I am led to believe. And with really mixed context. I'm going to read you a few. Job, chapter 30, verse 25 to 27. Have I not wept for those in trouble? Has not my soul grieved for the poor? Yet when I hoped for good, evil came. When I looked for light, then darkness came. The churning inside me never stops. Days of suffering confront me. Well, we're off to a really fine start there, aren't we? Of course, the Psalms, David, he's like the prince of hope, isn't he? Psalm 31, it says, Love the Lord, all his faithful people. The Lord preserves those who are true to him, but the proud he pays back in full. Be strong and take heart, all of you who hope in the Lord. I like that one a bit better. Isaiah, even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. That's one of our favourite ones, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I like that one too. And then in Romans, it pretty much gives us a bit of a definition of what hope really is. Chapter 8, verses 23 to 25. We ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we were saved. And then really comes the definition. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. It's like the good things we haven't yet seen, isn't it? Um, that's what these guys are going to be bringing this week on camp. You know, we've got all the Southern Cross shirts. We better, you know, talk a bit about that, hadn't we? They're bringing hope. They're bringing hope. All that good stuff that a lot of these kids haven't yet seen. Of course, campers we've talked about, led by Peter and Soretta, just, it's important for you guys to know that they're really outstanding leaders. Now, I know you know that, but it doesn't hurt to be told stuff that we know. Just a bit of a side note, that these two, these two guys helped get a couple of... We had two new Victorian camps start this year. Now a couple of you guys were on them as well. And they really help those leaders get the show on the road. See, that's what generous and good people do. They, uh, they help others. I reckon it's really... It's one of the things in regards to hope, and I just want, I'll just read the definition again. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have... We wait for it patiently. 
The kids who are coming, they'll be full of hope. They're, you know, their expectation will be high, as we've said. They're getting ready for the best week of the year. They just haven't seen it yet. You know what? I believe there's an action and an attitude that we bring to camp that helps hope to be delivered. And I reckon the action's love. See, we bring love and hope gets delivered in a whole variety of forms. Love delivers hope. Now, I've got a video for you to watch. Some of you will have seen it before. Uh, it's quite long. It's about nine minutes, okay? But this is a video of four kids who first came on camp as a kid who have come back as a leader. I think it's worth a watch. We'll get back to you. Thanks, mate. Stunning. Sporadic is just who I am as a person, so that is fine. Okay, Mark, go get Lizzie. Um, I like Prince, I like cheese. <laughs> no, no, I'm good. Statistically, I should be dead in, by either my own hand or by my mother's hand or I should be in jail. I am in like a 0.1% that no one actually expected me to survive. When I was two, services like Anglicare and DHS became involved because my mother was very mentally ill. There was a lot of self-harm and suicide attempts that were occurring in the household. Um, there were assault charges, harassment charges, um, with police being at the house for most nights, um, an ambulance there every other night that they weren't. I eventually got sent to my then stepdad's parents. Um, when I was there, I was physically and sexually abused. Everything I was didn't matter. If my own mother wasn't going to love me, then no one else was going to, and I was worth nothing. Living with our dad, he was very lazy. He didn't really look after us. And because my brother had autism, I, I'm, I practically looked after him because he's older than me. But at that stage of life, he couldn't quite look after himself. We didn't have food majority of the time, so we'd share food. Um, did mean that my brother and I didn't get the same, like a happy childhood. I was just grateful that I was always had my brother and that we weren't separated. Dad took off when mum was pregnant and me and my sister and my mother grew up in, in severe domestic violence. From a real, real young age, I can remember seeing a lot of stuff we shouldn't see. And any sort of male figure that was around the scene wasn't really setting a good example. You know, we, we grew up saying, boys don't cry, you keep your problems to yourself. You don't go to school and talk about what's going on at home. We ended up going in care and when we got put in care, they, they put my sister in one place and me in another place. And that was hard because even before going to care, when violence was happening, me and my sister at least always had each other. In my family, there was a lot of abuse um, of all kinds. The earliest thing I can sort of remember is my brothers being taken away by child services. It kind of affected the perspective that I had on the world in that I was kind of afraid of grown-ups. I was worried that people wanted to hurt me or that I would be taken away from my mum. Um, or my sister. That was that was probably my biggest fear, is leaving my little sister. Just the thought of being separated from her after my brothers left was 
scary. Uh, I didn't want to be alone, but I also didn't want her to be alone. Um, yeah. When I was seven, I was referred to the camps by one of the local churches. Heading in on the bus, I was like, I'm excited, I'm the strong one, I am here, I am outgoing, I am loud. And then I got to camp and met my buddy. I'm pretty sure I was painful as anything. I was introduced to Southern Cross Kids Camp probably when I was, I think I was six years old. I'd never been away from my mum for that long and I remember sitting in the back of this little bus and looking out the window going, oh my gosh, like, where are we going? I've never been here before. And when we pulled up and saw all of the buddies standing out the front, holding their name signs. I remember getting off the bus and I sort of see all these people and um, there's all these name signs, you know, I'm seeing different names and thinking, what's what's this about? I keep looking around and I find that they see this guy, he's holding a sign and it's got Corey on it. And I was like, oh, wow. I just remember sitting there thinking like, how cool is this? Like, I just felt so special and like, I didn't even know these people. It was overarching happiness to be in a new environment and have someone there who cares. I was always given the time and the space to be me. I was always told that what I was and what I could give was enough and that I was enough. And that hits deep. It gives, it gives you hope. So my perspective did change once going to Southern Cross Kids Camp because I got to meet other kids that had been through similar situations and that deal with the same things as I do. You know, it's really good having the memory books because we get to look back on it and to see actual photos. And because you also get a little note from your buddy at the end of the book as well. I had never had an undivided adult's attention. My favourite thing swimming in the pool uh, as a kid and just doing absolutely anything I wanted to do. Face painting, playing sports and... So there's a dress up section. Um, usually for most camps they have um, a lot of costumes to dress up on and I decided that this clown costume was what I was going to do and there is a million and one photos of me just walking around camp in this costume living my best life. Going on camp I was then sort of shown men that that are loving, men are kind, men that are caring. So I didn't know that you know men could be loving or men could show emotion or men could be vulnerable because prior to going on camp the only men that I was seeing in my life weren't setting good examples they were using violence and taking drugs and alcohol. That experience has, has, has helped shape me into the man I am today. I think the most significant lesson I learned on that first camp was how to trust another adult. Like how, that, it's actually not all adults are bad and some of them just love you because they love you, not because they want something from you. My future is full with hope. I am excited to make memories with my own child and hopefully more in the future. My dream for Southern Cross Kids Camp in Emerald is to have a campsite of our own. Being so rural, we're so far away from every other place that has a decent campsite. I'm currently a teacher, so I actually teach across both primary and secondary. So I'm doing education support in a primary school, working with um, these beautiful little five-year-olds who a lot of them have like autism spectrum disorder. Um, and other learning difficulties. And then the other days in the week, I teach music at a secondary school. I started working at Maccas about two and a half years ago. And then within the first year, I was offered management. I've actually recently applied for the police force because I want to be a police officer and specialise in probably canine squad, like search and rescue. But I look forward to being a buddy 
for a child that can remember me and thinks that like I can be there for a week that they're going to remember and enjoy for forever, hopefully. <laughs> I work at Reese Plumbing in Morrisset and my main role there is the delivery driver. Outside of work, I really enjoy boxing. I think the biggest dream for me would be in, you know, five, ten years if I've got a little family and a partner uh, and, you know, I can be the dad that I never had. That would be the dream for me. Because when I was 22, I started up a little local youth organisation here on the Central Coast. And through being able to do that, yeah, we, we have uh, in some ways been able to make a difference in the lives of children and young people. It's important for our organisation to keep growing because there are still so many children who are from broken homes who um, have been subject to neglect and abuse and I didn't want to be alive and that's that's a memory that I have from all through my childhood there was suddenly this very very tangible experience that I knew was coming back we're not going out there to save every kid but just to plant some seeds and let them know that there is another way out. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. The reason I have so much passion now today to want to help kids and young people is because of the love and the care and the compassion I was shown as a young boy at Southern Cross Kids Camp. It doesn't fix or change your situation at home. You know, they, they can't take you out of that, but they can take you for a week and give you this beautiful week of happy memories, especially for children like myself who don't get a lot of happy memories at home or just a chance to be a kid. I think that Southern Cross Kids Camp does really make a big impact on kids. Just because I didn't have a good childhood, I can still go do things that will make me happy. A lot of people will come up to us and they say, hey, you guys are making such a difference in these young kids' lives. And I turn around and say, no, these kids are making such a difference in my life. It's hard to imagine what my life might be like today had I not had the opportunity to go along to Southern Cross Kids Camp. I don't know what my life might look like, but I don't think it would be nearly as beautiful as it is today. There we go. Hey, some of the comments that the kids made. Celeste said, if my mother wasn't going to love me, then nobody else would. But see, camp changed a perspective. There was someone who cared and gave her hope. Corey said he'd never seen a decent male role model until he went on camp. He'd never seen men who were loving. Alicia actually learnt that she could do things and that happiness was actually possible. And Roberta said she didn't trust anyone and was actually scared of grown-ups. And uh, she learned that people, and I think I'll get the quote right, um, people can love you because they love you and they don't want anything. God's love delivers hope in all of its forms. And it's God's incredible love that makes the difference. And the kids who come on camp, they, you know, they'll understand it in a variety of ways, won't they? They'll, uh, you know, it might be that someone might like me. Someone, someone might even care about me. Um, maybe I'm of value. Maybe I matter. Maybe my opinions and my voice might be heard. 
You know, I, I've been thinking about some of the experiences that I've had over time and, and how the differences can be really quite stark. Um, some of you might know, most of you won't. I, I used to play cricket at a reasonable level and I remember going to a district club, so that's kind of... Your state cricketers will come out of the first level of that sort of district club. And the, when I went down there, I was only I was a young guy, so 18, 19 years of age. And it would be fair to say I wasn't welcomed. I was actually viewed as someone that might be going to take someone else's spot. And so basically no one talked to me. And so I worked my way through the different batting against the different grades and finished up one night facing a couple of guys who were either on their way or had played for Australia. And as an 18-year-old kid, it was pretty overawing. And um, I remember coming out of the nets after that. And I didn't die, which I did think I might have been going to do at some stage. But And thinking, my thought was, hmm, I'm just not good enough. I'm not going to make it. I think I'll go back to my local club, which I did. If there had have been one person that had have said, you know what? First time facing those guys, it's amazing that you're still alive. If you stick it out, you're really going to make it. If one person had have said that, I would have been back there the next week. The other thing I think about is my the first time I ever had the privilege and opportunity to be on the platform at what is now Discovery Church. I can remember standing behind the thing that used to stand behind and I was doing the announcement, so I was doing something and I can't remember what it was, but I remember I was terrified. Absolutely gonna die. Well, similar to cricket. Um, and I remember doing whatever... I don't remember what I did, but I remember doing it and got off the platform and I didn't die and didn't have a heart attack or anything. Uh, but I was pretty ordinary, I think it'd be fair to say. But I got a note from the lady who was like head of all the staff and that at that time I wasn't on staff or anything. And it was just a little, little post-it sized note that said, you know, how well I'd done and, you know, that it was really good and there'll be more to do sort of thing. And I kind of thought, maybe, just maybe there might be a role to play in the future. You know, the, one, that simple little note, that act of love and kindness brought life to me. And the other one, just, you know, I did take my bat and ball and go home. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Now, I get that not everyone here this morning is going on camp in a couple of weeks' time, and that's fine. But wherever you find yourself today, I want to tell you something that you already know. The world's hurting and desperate, isn't it? I don't think it is... You know, I haven't been around forever. It might feel like I have, but... I don't think there's ever been a time quite like this, or not, for, not in my lifetime anyway. As I said, the world is desperate and hurting. Critics and criticism, it's just it abounds, it's in every sphere. And unfortunately, at times, us as Christians, we kind of add to it. We chuck a bit of fuel on the fire. You know, judgment has never been the best way 
to proclaim the name of Jesus and put his magnificent name up in lights. But love truly is. More than ever, I believe, we have an opportunity to be different. Matthew, you'll know this verse well. Chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. So wherever we find ourselves today or next week, on camp or not on camp, let's be the light. Let's bring the love. Let's deliver the hope. For these guys, the kids who get to come on camp in just over a week's time, or in Knox's case, they'll be there tomorrow morning. We're bringing, to, we're bringing heaven to earth, I believe. And so that's going to be happening over the next few weeks in Southern Cross. But you know what? We can do the same whether we're at Coles or whether we're on camp. It, it doesn't really matter. And so if I was going to have a New Year's resolution, I think that'd be mine. I reckon we've got the chance to bring heaven to earth a bit this year. So, it'll happen on camp next week. So, let's join. Let's take this opportunity that I think is before us like never, ever before. Most New Year's resolutions, you know, they last... What I think they last till about lunchtime the first day, don't they? Well, it is nearly lunchtime the first day now, but I think we can do a bit better with this one this year. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions or feedback, please email us at hello at hoperevolution.church.